Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast or know someone who does? Buzzsprout can help. Buzzsprout has helped over 100,000 plus people start their own podcast, including myself. And out of all the places that help start a podcast, Buzzsprout is the most used and most effective. Buzzsprout can link your podcast on multiple media platforms such as Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, and Google Podcast. They also post weekly videos, blog posts, and articles on how to create a podcast and tips on the website so you don't have to go searching for help. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Buzzsprout is proud and passionate to help big or small podcasters. If you click the link in the podcast show notes, you can get an awesome way to keep track and run your own podcast along with a $20 gift card to Amazon. Join over 100,000 podcasters who have already started using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world today. What's up, you guys? Stephanie here, and welcome back to Seriously with the Frick. Uh, so I was gone for a, a little bit, for a while, I think about a month. Um, I'm just going to be honest, shit hit the fan for me. I just need to take a, a really big step back. I didn't want to pump out shitty content for you guys either, because I'm pretty sure like the last four episodes I did were about a day or two late and I just I just I just needed to take a step back kind of get my shit together but now my shit's together um I would have came back a little bit sooner but I really wanted to come back with a more better quality podcast so I've been working on season two for a bit I got a whole bunch of brand new shit coming out like contents a lot more in depth that you know just everything is I've been working very hard so I'm just really excited to be back and to show you guys what I've been doing um you know this is season two of seriously what the frick so you know congrats you made it um the first 15 episodes 14 technically not including my trailer don't even count don't even don't even go back to those 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 don't even matter um you know but I am more than excited to be back like I'm so excited um I can't you know, and I'm so excited that I can be talking about horrible shit, you know, in a to a microphone alone in my room with y'all. Like, I'm so excited to be doing that again. You know, we are back and better than fucking ever. So, there you go. I also just realized that I gave you guys the typical I'm back video, like any YouTuber with mental issues, like mental health issues have had, or like that have made, so sorry about that. But I'm going to stop talking about myself and I'm just shut the I'm just going to shut the fuck up and I am just going to get into the very horrible shit that you guys miss. This week we're talking about some heavy shit. Um, it's it's wild. It's a whole ass story. Um, and if you guys have seen Don't Fuck With Cats on Netflix and you already know about the horrendous Canadian pornographic killer, Luca Magnato. go ahead and say a warning right now because the shit is fucked up. It made me slightly uncomfortable and I don't get uncomfortable when it comes to crime and murder and shit. I do this for fun. So they made me uncomfortable. This shit's a little uncomfortable. So warning. This episode contains adult language, graphic descriptions of crime scenes, and cruelty to animals. Viewer discretion is advised. 
So, Luca Rocco Magnata was born Eric Clinton Kirk Newman, which is a mouthful, on July 24th, 1982 in Scarborough, Ontario. His parents were Anna Yurkin and Donald Newman. His dad was diagnosed with schizophrenia in 1994, and then he divorced his wife later that same year, and this is when Luca decided to move in with his grandma. He didn't decide, he kind of just moved in with his grandma after that. And I can kind of see why. Um, so according to Luca, his mom, Anna, was obsessed with being clean. Just like cleanliness, just like, it was bad. And I guess she would like lock out Luca and his two siblings outside of the house routinely. And I guess she put like their pet rabbits outside because it's Canada and it's fucking cold. And they froze and died. Like they froze to death and shit, which is kind of psychotic. Like you can lock your kids out, that's fine. But the bunnies, hell to the fucking no. And that's actually honestly all I can find about his childhood. There's not much about it, unless I didn't dive deep enough, which I'm pretty sure I did. But like, there's there's really not much on it, except for his mom um, is a little bit of a psychopath for killing bunnies and locking your kids out, you know, whatever. Um, and she was really obsessed with being clean and that his parents divorced and I don't even know what happened to his dad. No idea. So Luca changed his name from Eric Clinton Kirk Newman, which is still a mouthful, to Luca McNada in 2006. I mean, they're both bad names, like neither was a good option, like they're like one is just shorter than the other I guess, but alright. So in 2003, he started to appear in gay porn and he would occasionally strip and be an escort as like a side hustle, I guess. He also loved to create multiple profiles on different social medias and made various claims about himself in order to draw attention to him. Like he loved to make up shit pretty much in order for other medias to attract attention to him. And that's kind of how he got a little bit of a following. He was pretty much, he really liked being a model and you know, as a model, you need a following. So he created a whole bunch of rumors that would have like the news get involved. And then that's kind of how he got his name around. Um, so in 2007, like I said, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. Um, but in 2007, he made a rumor that he was in a relationship with Carla Homolka, which if you don't know who that is, it is someone I will eventually discuss. But a little bit on her, so you guys have a general idea why this was fucking horrible. Um, a horrible thing to be accused of, LOL. Um, if you've heard of the, ben, the Ken and Barbie killers in Ontario, Canada, and then you know why, but if you just need like a brief refresher, you just don't know. Um, Carla Homolka and her boyfriend, Paul Bernardo, went around Ontario raping and murdering three teenagers, one of them being Carla's younger sister, Tammy. It's all sorts of fucked. As I said, I will do an episode on them at some point. But he created this whole ass rumor about they were dating and she was literally like the most hated can like woman in Canada at the time. I'm also like pretty sure that he had at least 70 Facebook pages and like 20 different websites with 20 different names. You'd think between all the porn and escorting, he would he wouldn't have time, but I guess not. In 2005, he was actually charged with one account of impersonation and three counts of three accounts of fraud for impersonating a woman and you know, like just to apply for a credit card. Um, and then he purchased about $10,000 worth of bullshit. You know, clearly my man Magnata really loves fraud. Just, just fraud in general, doing fraud, being fraudulent, fraud. And this is actually just the beginning of all of his bullshit shenanigans. This motherfucker pulls. 
And this is where it kind of gets a little fucked up. So I'm gonna put a warning here again. This is where the animal cruelty part comes in and like murder. So just be warned for your discretion if I don't really like talking about it, but it is very crucial to the story. So anyway. But back in 2010, there was a viral video called One Boy, Two Kittens, which you can still watch. Don't, don't recommend it. Um, you can still find it, just just don't. It's, uh, it's horrifying. Um, but pretty much the video, which we now know is to be Luca, is a man playing with two kittens before he puts them into a vacuum seal bag and vacuums the air out and then the kittens suffocate and like die. Fuck that guy, right? And he releases other videos of him like feeding kittens to snakes. In another video, there's a dog, which we see alive and we hear one and then we never see the dog again. So pretty sure the dog isn't around anymore and it's kind of just all sorts of fucked up. And I'm just gonna move right past that shit and talk about him murdering someone. All right, so eventually, Luca uploads a video called One Lunatic, One Ice Pick, which is uploaded to bestcore.com and it shows a naked man being tied to a bed frame and being stabbed lot with a kitchen knife and an ice pick. Then Magnata, who we don't know is Magnata at the time, obviously, um, dismembers the body and then we learn that he's a necrophiliac. Because, you know, he does shit to the dead body that a necrophiliac would do. If y'all are picking up what I'm putting down. Oh, it gets worse. So Canadian authorities, I guess, somehow just got like a more extensive video than just the one that was posted on bestdoor.com bestgore.bestdoor.com because you get the best of stores here um bestgore.com um which actually isn't up anymore kind of the founder from what i gathered decided to kind of just move on from the website all there's left is a random video about the aftermath of a taliban executing 22 afghan special forces members um that's when i was on the site i don't know if that like changes every day or whatever um, but long story short, there's pretty much nothing left of that website, and it doesn't even seem like the founder of Escore, who like all I can find was Mark, had no idea that there was even being a documentary on Magnata. Um, he had no idea about what was going on with him since he left Canada in 2016. Um, for my research, he was charged, and he did go to jail for letting this video get on his website and stuff like that. So he uh, he did get punished, I guess for some reason. I don't know. Cool. Anyway. Anyway, so the Canadian authorities somehow got an even longer video and then it showed acts of cannibalism. So he ate. He like took 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 the knife, took a piece of this guy's flesh, fed it to a dog, which is the same dog I mentioned earlier. Um, and, and then he also eats it from my knowledge. What I'm gathering. What I saw. I didn't watch the video. You know what I mean. And a lot of people actually try to report the video. And, you know, it's it's bad if people that go to bestgore.com to watch shit like 22 Afghan special forces getting executed for fun. You know it's concerning when they're reporting that. That is how you know. On May 29th in 2012 at 11 a.m., a package was delivered to the headquarters of the Conservative Party in Canada. And this package had a very foul odor and was stained and covered in blood. And it was also marked with a red heart. How this got passed, I don't know how this guy, I don't, the mailman clearly gave no fucks. Um, but when it was opened, it contained a left foot and a note that said six different body parts were distributed and then they would kill again. 
Another package that looked and smelled the same was addressed to the local party of Canada, but it was intercepted at the Canadian Post facility. Obviously, this mailman had a fucking brain. Um, this package contained a left hand, and there were three other packages that contained notes, but their contents were never made public. On June 5th, 2012, a package containing a right foot arrived at St. George's School, which is a junior high, just, just FYI, and another package was delivered containing a right hand that went to the False Creek Elementary School in Vancouver. Fuck. This guy. So, Luca lived in the apartment complex in the Snowden area of Montreal, and a janitor that worked in the complex had found a suitcase with a body in it. It was, like, left in a pile of garbage in the back alley. Um, he, the janitor had seen the suitcase a few days prior, but he didn't think much of it, and it was a brand new suitcase, so he's like, I'm gonna steal that. So, Mike Nandu, I think that's how you say it. I'm so sorry, Mike. Um, it... You know, he, he looks inside the suitcase and he finds a headless body, which I, cool, <laughs> the place were obviously called, and they recovered a lot of human remains, clothes covered in blood, and thankfully papers that identified Magnata and then like really sharp and blunt objects. So I'm just gonna go ahead and say this now, Luca Magnata is not very good at killing people. Okay, like, his one victim is dead, R.I.P., you know, him, but my man's over here was totally caught in security footage in the building, bringing numerous bags of shady-ass shit outside in the alley. And the police used these images and compared them to the images from the post office and the person that sent the packages to the political party headquarters, Ash, the suitcase guy. On May 30th, 2012, literally like the next day, Luca's identity was confirmed, and it was also confirmed that all of the body parts were from the same person. So, he wasn't a serial killer. He was just crazy. The police began to heavily search McDonough's apartment, but the apartment was pretty empty by the time they found it. They found blood everywhere, on the mattress, refrigerator, table, bathtub. On the inside of one of the closets, written in red ink was, quote, If you don't like the reflection, don't look in the mirror. I don't care. End quote. Which I feel like I can talk about that, like, psychologically for about 20 minutes, but I won't. But, like, what the fuck does that mean? So, on June 13th, the police finally identified the victim as Yuan Lin, also known as Justin. A little bit about him is that he was born on December 30th, 1978 in Wuhan, China, and was actually an international student and also an undergrad in engineering and computer science at the Concordia University in Montreal. Um, and that's it. July 1st, his head was recovered at the edge of a small lake after the police were given an anonymous tip. So, obviously, Luca Magnata had already gotten away by this time, and they were pretty much on, like, an international manhunt for him. He had so many warrants um, that all said that he was wanted for first-degree murder, committing an indignity to a dead body, publishing obscene material, mailing obscene, indecent, immoral material, and criminally harassing Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper and other unnamed members of the Parliament. Is it Stephen or Stephen? I'm gonna go Steven. It's spelled like Stefan, but I'm, I'm gonna go Steven just in case. I'll sorry, bro. On May 25th, Magnata had actually bought a ticket from Montreal to Paris and using his own passport, so like, 
they could track it down because it's his own fucking name. And cops are like, let's track down this motherfucker. And after he got to Paris, his phone signal was actually traced back to a hotel in Bagnolet. Um, LOL. I think that's, I'm sorry. Um, where he used a fake name, Kirk Tremel. Tremel. Fuck, I, it's from Basic Instinct. Um, he, if you guys watch the, uh, the three-part documentaries, Don't Fuck With Cat, they go very, uh, Don't Fuck With Cats, they go very, very, very heavily into his old Basic Instinct thing. Like, um, when you watch the video, don't watch the video, but when, um, they compared the video of one lunatic one ice pick to the opening scene of basic instinct they kind of saw a lot of comparisons a lot of similarities so we kind of just came to the conclusion that um he really luca really liked basic instinct and got a lot of his stuff from there um there's this dude named manny that like got involved at some point but it wasn't actually a guy named manny that was just someone from basic instinct it was like a character it was the Oh, fucking Sharon Stone. I think that's her name. It was like that. It was her character's fiance. It was like Manny Vasquez or something like that. So, um, it's a whole, yeah. So that's a whole thing. If you guys really want to go more in depth, definitely check out Don't Fuck With Cats. It's, uh, it's, it's really good. It's definitely from a different perspective. Um, so definitely go check that out if you guys haven't already. I didn't make any sense, but y'all know what I meant. He, Luca McDonough was really into Basic Instinct, based a lot of his crimes on Basic Instinct, and then in the documentary, they talk a lot about that. That is what that entire rambling was. Um, LOL, I'm sorry. Anyway, so he was traced back to that hotel in Magnolia, which I'm not even sure if I'm saying that correctly. Um, he gets traced back using that fake name, Kirk Tramell, but I but by then he dipped and was gone by the time the authorities could even get there and then now he was headed for berlin june 4th mcnato was at an internet cafe just casually reading news stories about himself which is how he got caught because the guy working has saw the news and saw that the guy using the computer um looked a lot like the guy that he saw in the news and a lot like the guy on the computer which was the same guy on the news so he was like, all right, I'm gonna call the cops. So when Magnano was apprehended, he tried pretending like he wasn't himself and gave like a fake name. Um, but when they did his fingerprints, it was confirmed that it was him. So Magnano was held in Berlin custody until his extraction back to Canada. And from what I can tell, Magnano seemed very compliant. He didn't struggle, didn't make any sort of scene or anything like that. He kind of just accepted his fate by then, I guess. He was then transported back to Canada June 18th, 2012, and he flew aboard a Royal Canadian Air Force plane thing to the Maribel International Airport in North Montreal. And I guess the reason it was a military plane and not like a normal ass commercial plane, um, which makes sense to not put a high profile killer on a commercial plane anyway. Um, but it was more due to the safety concerns that were had since it was a normal ass plane and he could hurt other people and the fact that there was actually a lot of legal bullshit that would happen if for some reason the plane had to go to a different country like it just couldn't land where it was supposed to in montreal um so that's one reason that they used the military airplanes just in case y'all wanted to know that i guess so on June 19th, McNaughton appeared in court via video link. Um, it was pretty much like a Zoom meeting, but like for court. 
and his lawyer had pled not guilty for him um, since he couldn't do it in person. His lawyer was like, he pleads not guilty, so lol i don't i don't know what he thought like i don't know how he thought that was gonna work because there's video evidence of him killing him like killing someone granted i i go into detail about why he thought he could have gotten away with that but it's just there's there was no way like there's no fucking way so march 11th the following year 2013 is when his preliminary hearing began, McNutt requested that he would be tried by a jury, and his legal team also didn't want the media or the public to be present, but that request was immediately denied. Um, Jun Lin's father, Duran Lin, actually came from China to attend the hearing. His family flew all the way from China for the entire trial just to see if they would get justice or not. Which, like, good. Like, if you're kid doesn't matter where is fucking murdered and you're gonna go to the trial just to see what's up like that doesn't like that doesn't even good 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 for them good good on the lynn family so on april 12 2013 luca magnato was indicted for first degree murder offering indignities to human body distributing obscene materials using the postal service to distribute obscene materials and criminal harassment and as i said before he was pleading not guilty because he was claiming diminished responsibility due to mental disorders. Kind of. So the uh, Justice Guy Coroner, I think, I'm so sorry, um, told the jurors, quote, McNada admits to the acts or the conducts underlying the crime for which he is charged. Your task will to be determined whether he committed the five offenses with the required state of mind for each offense, end quote. Which ultimately that just means, was he in the right state of mind when he was committing the acts against John Lynn? Was he, you know, was he crazy while doing it? Well, he's having like some weird fucking episode that made it to where if he wasn't insane, he wouldn't have done this kind of. So it's more of like a, was he in the right state of mind? Like, was he sane when he committed these acts? And that's pretty much what the jury was asked to determine. Um, and the defense gave evidence that Magnata was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia as a teenager. And he also had a lot of expert witnesses saying that Magnata showed signs of episodic schizophrenia, hysteronic personality disorder, borderline personality traits, and paraphilia. Which, if you don't know what paraphilia is, it's the experience of intense sexual arousal due to atypical objects, situations, fantasies, behaviors, or individuals. Which just means he gets he gets turned on by weird things and a lot. It's just constantly just horny, I guess. Um, oh, I hate that I said that. And that's actually what a lot of the trial consisted of. The defense was really pushing the fact that he was crazy and he couldn't be held criminally responsible and he needs help and blah, 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 blah. And he just kept really, really pushing that on the jurors. But, of course, the prosecutor was pushing the opposite, saying, quote, Magnata was purposeful, mindful, and ultra-organized, and ultimately responsible for his actions, end quote. The prosecution kept claiming that Magnata was fake being schizophrenic in order for him to use the diminished responsibility plea. So remember when those blunt and sharp objects that were found in the alley alongside the suitcase where uh, John was found? Well... Those sharp objects were a pair of scissors, two knives, a screwdriver, an oscillating saw, and a hammer. But upon being analyzed, there was no proof that the scissors or the screwdriver was being used on John, but there was proof of the saw and the knife being used. You know, because like bone tissues and just autopsies and stuff like that. 
The trial lasted 12 fucking weeks long, and 10 of those weeks consisted of pretty much just endless testimonial hearings. And finally, on December 15th of 2014, the jurors were told to start deliberating. It took them eight days to find a verdict, but they decided that McDonough was guilty in all accounts that he was being charged for. The jurors decided that he will serve a mandatory life sentence and will be eligible for parole after 25 years. And he was also sentenced 19 years for the other charges and that they will be served concurrently. This is Canada and they're nice there and they just want to help people. But he's being... Pretty much, he's been given um, mandatory life, so he's going to be in prison forever on top of another 15 years. 19 years. Not 15. 19 years. Um, McNaugh later tried to file an appeal for the convictions to be annulled and he wanted a new trial. And the reason for this was a judicial error in the jury's instructions and claimed that, quote, the verdicts were unreasonable and unsupported by any evidence and instructions, end quote. McNaugh later withdrew the repeal in February of 2015. He's still in prison at the Port Cartier prison in Quebec to this day and will be eligible for parole in 2039. And actually due to COVID, he could have gone out last year in 2020, because, but because several people contracted the virus in prison, but the request was denied. His mom really wanted him out because of COVID. Not because, just pr- <laughs> not because of prison, just COVID. Um, Luca married another inmate, I think in 2017, in the prison, and honestly, he's kind of just living his life. He's like 37 now. You know, and he's living his, uh, you know, good old prison life. And he will be forever because it's a life sentence. So, there's that. And that's actually kind of it for this week. Um, yeah, kind of crazy. A crazy one to start off with, but you know, whatever. Um, let me know what you guys think about this in my DMs, the YouTube comments, my email, literally wherever you guys know where to contact me. Um, and let me know what you guys want me to talk about next week. And as I said, I'm really sorry for being gone for such a long time, you know, but there's new shit now. It's better. Like Daphne has her shit together and the podcast is going to be better and hopefully more consistent. But as I said, that's Daphne promise. And you know what? Sometimes we can't hold that hold up to that that's okay no it's gonna be more consistent if it's not just don't even listen to me anymore i am looking forward to you know seriously with the freck 2.0 or season two or whatever um but yeah i'm looking forward to this and thank you guys so much for being patient with me um like i said it's gonna be better and i'm really i'm really excited for you know to show you guys what's going on so and what you and like what i've been working on stuff like that um, but I'm going to stop rambling and I'm just going to leave. Um, I'll see you guys next week with a brand new episode that will make you say seriously with the frick. Be safe, make decent decisions, and I'll see you guys later. Bye, y'all. <laughs>